Welcome to the KayaCast podcast presented by Kaya Push, the cannabis software making people management easy. The KayaCast is all about helping cannabis retailers launch, grow, and scale their business. I'm your host, Tom Mulhern, and I want to invite you to join us each week for conversations with thought leaders in the cannabis industry about their experience and expertise of working in the cannabis. Before we jump into the show, I want to welcome you all here and remind you to subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast app to get the latest episodes of the KayaCast. And be sure to check out our website at kayacast.fm. Today, we have an amazing in-depth conversation with Mike Wilson, the founder of Temeca Group and Anami Tech as well. You know, Mike has been in the business for 31 years, working to build everything from the Lakers fan store to huge cannabis retail stores. And Mike shares some insights for someone that might be wanting to start up, create their own cannabis dispensary or retail store. And he really talks about how important the layout of your store is to customer experience, customer service security. He gives some insights on how you can use technology to really leverage your brand and some creative things that Temeca is doing to help with compliance and give that customer experience a whole new level of just fun and delight, really, for a customer walking into a cannabis retail store to interact with the product in a brand new way. So he kind of hints at that. So without further ado, let's just jump right into this interview. Mike Wilson is the founder and president of Temeca Group. He utilizes his strong leadership and management skills to oversee the job from design to installation. The Temeca Group was founded in 1991 and focuses on turnkey services, conceptual designs, precise fabrications, and premium installations, shaping spaces that really tell their clients' stories so they can meaningfully engage with their customers. They're all about bringing a client's vision into reality with a world-class team who fabricates and installs state-of-the-art designs. Temeca Group is perfectly suited to handle every aspect of a project from start to finish. Mike is also the founder of Anami Tech, and their goal is to provide easy-to-use, cost-efficient business software for the industry. Anami Tech provides purpose-built applications that allow cannabis businesses to operate efficiently and stay compliant, and for government agencies and financial institutions to connect with those businesses. Mike, I just want to welcome you to the show. It's so great to have you on here. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate you guys having us. Looking forward to it. Excited. So, Mike, the Temeca Group started in 1991. That was 31 years ago. And you must have tons of great insights of growing a successful business. So walk us through the story of Temeca Group and how we got to where we are today. You know, started off in 1991. And as we talked about having this conversation, the evolution of retail. You know, you go back early 90s, you know, you think about technology where it was internet, all these type of things. And where we're at today, it's a dramatic, you know, difference. And from us, what's exciting is looking back at that, some just the exciting projects we've done. We've done a lot of brick and mortar retail that you look at inline stores from Vans, Hot Topic, Torrid, Wet Seal, jewelry stores. I've lost count. I think it's up in around the 7,000 range, but I honestly, I, I can pretty much say every mall in America 
I built a store or built stores in. Is there one during that time that really sticks out as that big project that you kind of knew, okay, I've made it. I got in it, kind of getting goosebumps talking about it. Growing up a huge Lakers fan. And when we did the Staples Center and we did the Lakers Clippers Kings team store, to do that was just, you know, it's kind of numbing, you know, when, when they did the grand opening, James Worthy and the group was there to welcome us and did the ribbon cutting and stuff. That was pretty much, I, I will say, a, a big trophy on the match for us. That's so cool. It's even just to be in the stadium, but let alone to be working in the stadium. I mean, you basically can say you were in the NBA. From there, we've done, I think, over 87% of the baseball stadiums are going into doing work at Yankee Stadium, Wrigley Field, these old, archaic, historic stadiums, Dodger Stadium and stuff. It's just really cool to be in there and kind of awe of the fact of just being participating in those organizations. How did you transition from that into cannabis? Like, where did that transition come from? Well, it's kind of interesting, you know. In the 2000s, a, a lot of brick and mortar retail were, was dying. You're going online as technology. We talked about 90s technology wasn't around. 2000s, later 2000s, the technology craze started going on on online sales. And we saw that and we pivoted. We did a couple different things from museum work. We were very, very fortunate to do Johnny Cash Museum, Glenn Campbell Museum, the Grammys, George Jones. And those were really cool projects to do. And then... You know, we saw the theme work we were working on and in the mid 2000s, uh, a, a dad approached me about some of these stories he was doing in cannabis. And this is the, the 215 days that kind of really didn't understand it, but I'm like, I built jewelry stores. I built K's, Jared's and all these jewelry stores. Seems about the same. So, you know, we had, did a couple for him and he was doing well back then security and all that stuff wasn't sophisticated. He ended up walking away from that business and closing up after a year or two, just because of just the theft and just security reasons. He goes, it was a great business, but it just wasn't worth it. Roll into the mid 2015, 2016, I saw that pivot. I'm really focused on it and went after it. You know, just saw the, the, the aspect of having 20 plus years prior to us doing jewelry stores, doing this aspect, it was a good fit. So we jumped in and got really lucky and got into the space and has been obviously growing and been very successful at it. And you've been working on projects across North America, correct? Yes, yes, we are. We are a national. So from California to Florida to New Jersey, Massachusetts, all across the United States, everywhere it's legal. Oh, wow. Working with all these different dispensaries now that you have a long history in cannabis, what are some tips that you can give dispensaries in regards to build and design perspective? Because that has to factor into how they run their business. I think at the end of the day, at the beginning, when you started the new era of legalization in the state, it's very hyped up, excited, emotional. And then, you know, I saw it in Colorado and now in California, it's kind of normalized, you know? So that's some things that, you know, don't let the emotions get the best of you. Secondarily, ROI and due diligence and plan. Can't stress enough about looking at some of those things about how much money you really want to put out. Because I see too much emotions get caught up into people and they grab their location and then in the day, their budgets come in and they're like, whoa, that's a lot of money. So they got to be in perspective with that. And then the government with regards to pushing them into industrial spaces is a real hardship on this space. And I feel really bad for them because you think about taking a building that's supposed to be used for industrial use and push it to a retail use. That burden of cost is putting on the canvas space to get that caught up to, to be a retail store, which is a lot of burden of cost and it just subjected a extra cost that it shouldn't be impacted to start a business. How important is finding the correct location for a dispensary? Can they just set up shop anywhere or do they have to have a specific location? 
Yeah, that's huge. In, in any business, you got to look at your demographics, look what's around you. California, more and more cities are coming on the space right now. You look at Santa Ana that's been around for quite a few years. It's a Santa Maria. Now Costa Mesa is coming in with a limited license. A nearby city, Corona is coming on board. You know, you got to be careful and you got to plan and think about other cities coming on board because once again, saturation of market. And I've seen this in Elsinore, stores are doing quite well. Then Wildemar comes on board, takes 30% of that business share away. That's a big chunk and it's normalized. You know, it's not something that's a surprise to any of us. The only problem is cities coming on board and when that happens and how it's going to impact your existing store sales. Is there a certain way that a dispensary owner can find a good location within their city as they're looking around? What's a tactical way that they could, you know, kind of plan that out? I think it's being ahead of the game. I've seen some people do really well thinking out loud, getting out there proactively, getting a city that has not as many. And, and, you know, some people get caught up in these big name cities. There's some small cities that the sales are great because you're very secluded and you've got a, a bigger thoroughfare of access to market. So I think it's not getting caught up into the game of having one in the saturated market, because when you have 20, 30, 40 licenses in that city, man, that gets a very competitive market versus being alone by yourself with minimal competition. Have you worked on a project where you've tried something new and their sales go through the roof or something that you've done that has added a huge value to what they're doing as a dispensary? I think the biggest thing that I could say there is when you go back five, six years ago, lines were cool. You know, lines were, yeah. you've made it. Lines are not cool. So it's about customer experience, efficiencies, getting them in and out. And that's where technology and having some of these aspects of, it, of making a more efficient transition for the customer to come in, get their product, you know, and you've got a couple of customers when you talk about this, you talk about the new experience. They want to get the education. They want to maybe have that one-on-one -on -one conversation. But then you have some people, when we first started talking about Express Windows, people were like, eh, no, I don't want to do that. I want, you know, I wanted my brand. I want to really educate the consumer, but some guys, after they've been there twice, they know exactly what flower they're going to get or edibles. They want to get in and out. So that's where Express Windows and some other things that we've developed to get the consumer in and out. What's the importance of the store layout in regards to a few different things? So, you know, we talked about customer experience, but also customer service. Like, does the store layout of a dispensary matter? Is there ways that people can change the layout to increase their sales? How might it impact their sales. I think that goes back to sometimes we'll get people come after they put their application in. They go, oh, we got this layout, right? This is great, but man, how many customers are you planning going through here? Boy, you know, you only got like two POSs and that head count, that doesn't make. So we've got some ratios that we look at that based on the foot count that's going to come through there. And then secondarily is that experience coming through. There's the bodega style, there's more of the Apple store versus the deli style or that I, I call it the donut shop. Yeah, I want that in the case and go. And there's a fusion between that. And that's where you see a lot more people going to is that connection of both because it's a fusion of them because you can have that customer experience educating, but also the consumer that could get right up to the glass case, get express window pickup, or just go to the case. I want that check out and go. And it's a lot quicker, efficient mannerism to get through there. Security is such a huge issue in the cannabis industry. So how does the store's layout impact the overall security of the store? It's massive. And that's one thing that I will say that was very helpful getting in the space. We came from jewelry and jewelry. Once again, you're talking about high dollar items, diamonds and stuff like that. And we, we dealt with the same thing. And one of the couple of things that we came across was we see people and they, they put the vault up against the back wall. And they're like, no, no, car can run through, grab that and go. So there's a couple of things that were back from the old days 
you know, and just working with a good company like, you know, Tony Gallo at Sapphire, really good friend, do a lot of work together, having those tight knit relationships with some of the best of the best with us, you know, teamed up. So that's one thing we really pride on the team and the family of providers of work. I have pushed all you guys, you know, we've got a really good team and network of people we work with. And that's really good at bringing the best of class to this space. Before someone starts building out their dream store, what should they think about it? Is there a few things like a checklist of things that they should be thinking about before they jump in? What a lot of times we tell them to do is you give us some ideas, your customer experience. What do you know of this space? Obviously we kind of do an interview. What do you know? Are you a retail background coming into cannabis? Do you know cannabis? What is it? And then secondarily is what do you like? It doesn't necessarily have to be a cannabis store. There's some people that traveled in some crazy place that I really like this look that we came off of. There's some that have taken from other stores or derivatives of their house or, you know, some architectural aspect. What's the craziest thing that you've implemented into a store? The hardest thing, and I gotta say this one is when we did DTLA Disney, you know, obviously massive flagship, but Retina, who is the highest paid graffiti artist was contracted to do work in there and dealing with him to get the work done. He had done a painting up on the wall, trying to choreograph to get him there. Literally took days of me going to his studio. Then he was supposed to show up at night in the morning. He shows up at four in the afternoon. I literally did not leave until he was done until five in the morning. He ain't leaving. Like we got to get this done because it was such a big impact of that store. The guys at Stizzy really, you know, that, that was one of their kind of signature pieces when you walked out was having this Stizzy portrait. So I, I will say that was one of the more challenging aspects of it. For the most part, everything's been fairly easy. You know, it's just kind of going from one concept of what they like and, and taking that into a, a concept with regards to the can of store has been pretty, pretty simple. Now, do you offer solutions for dispensary owner that's wanting to do their dream store, but they may not have the budget to bring in a world-class graffiti artist. Do you guys have an option for someone that's kind of wanting to dip their toes in on a more affordable level? Absolutely. And you know, what we've seen in, in the transition of the California market and other places, you know, the ROI, people got hyped up, got emotional, but you know, wanted this big, pretty store. But then the day, what we are actually launching in the next, probably be available in 90 days, is an economical display case. Not much different than what you see, but we're building them in, in mass quantities. So the scale price will go down, probably be a savings about 35%, but it's something that we could ship off the shelf. You can install it. It's gonna be POS and back rack cabinets. Everything performed in the stores and the IP that we've learned for the last six years, we've integrated in our own line that we're gonna be having out available in four colors. So we're really excited about that because I think it gives some of these other the small guys, I'm always rooting for yeah. the small guy to be able to do that. And then we can enhance, you know, the lipstick part of it with their logos, with wallpaper on the back walls, graphics, light boxes to make it apparent at their store. So it looks custom, but it's not to the bigger extent of some of these build outs that are extreme. What are some creative ways that you're using technology to overcome some of the challenges of legislation and compliance in different states? One of the biggest things we're working on right now is just the education of the consumer. We think it's important because when we're going to these new states and, and talking about, you know, the experience with them. So first and foremost is that aspect of, you know, Peak Beyond is a system that we quite regularly use. It's a lift and learn, but it also acts as another employee. So you get to order the product and, you know, like I say, 
a lot of people don't understand they had to get a sativa and all these different things. They want to learn. So when you go in there, they can educate themselves and not feel stupid going up the bedtender and have these conversations. I don't even know how to say it, pronounce it correctly or have those conversations. So I could actually go to a nice large screen touch and get those, that, that, that data points from that. Going back to your 2016, when I walked into the first stores and smelt it, I felt guilty because it's that stigmatism of the past. And like I say, I consume, I, I did all that stuff, but it just was still, I'm in a store that sells this, you know, it's like, holy crap, what the heck is going on here? I was surprised by the design and the layout of the store that I first went into, how professional it was, how, you know, clean and on the outside up here, we have legislation that you have to have the windows blacked out and everything. And so you walk in thinking, oh man, what am I walking into? And then you walk into this beautifully nope. designed store that you feel comfortable in and people are welcoming and that makes a huge difference. We were asked to do a deployment of four different brands at a retail store. It used to be called Global Shop. It was a big show for years and years. Everyone that's to go to for retailers. And we took cookies. We took Dr. Green Thumb and a couple other brands and displayed them there. And we had people like Nima Marcus. Like they were shocked. They, they had no idea. But, you know, this was just this year, which you'd think they'd all be exploited to, but they were blown away. And, you know, we had a, a cookies table that we've done with the technology, with the flower table. And like, oh my gosh, we could use this in our store. Like they were just blown away. And it's kind of funny does parallels how they're attracting each other and being, you know, looking at this and taking those integrations and potentially taking it over to the retail side. What do you kind of see as the future of dispensary layout design and building? Like, do you, do you see things that are kind of on, you know, the forefront and they'll just be normal. When you go in liquor stores, you go in pharmacies, there's some with the same. You look at Walgreens, the CVS and stuff, there's some with the same. And that's why we're this kind of small pivot we're doing with this econo line that we're talking about is just making it easier for the consumer because it is in the fact normalizing. There's a lot of hype in these new states. We're working in a lot of these new states with that happening. But at the end of the day, I think there's gonna be a normalization. And you know what I look at is 80% of it, the glass cases and look, the 20% is the custom to make it look like the Tom store or the Fred store. We can create it to whatever that consumer wants or actually customer wants to make it look like. But the base points of the, the POS, the back storage and all that stuff will have right off the shelf. And then we could add the lipstick per se to make it custom to that person. It must be so rewarding seeing someone go from kind of an idea to the finished product. You have this nugget of an idea and then for them to open a store, it must be so rewarding. I love the little guy. I always love rooting for the little guy. And we just love getting that part of it, seeing the small town guy in the city wanted to open the store and go through that journey. And then we open over and him turn over those keys. And they're just like, I can't believe this is me. I just, I can't believe this is me. So we get really excited. And the fact that we've been blessed, I'm not going to wood is so many great customers and the fact that some of these small guys goes, I can't believe these are the guys doing <laughs> stizzy and cookies and stuff. And I'm part of this, like they get really geeked up. So I get excited just because I love the emotion. I just love them hyping them up just as much as the big guys. Tell me a bit about Anami Tech. You're the founder of Anami Tech as well. Do you sleep? Do you ever, it seems like you're just always going, but what's some of the solutions that they're using for technology to help cannabis retailers be more efficient and compliant. What ended up happening is as we're going through that journey of going through cannabis, you know, obviously we were exposed to some things, you know, we'd come back and say, you know, who, who owns a license? Uh, let me get back to you. Okay. Who owns a property? Uh, let me get back to you. And, and you start, you know, at first we're like, what? They don't know that. But then you start thinking about the complexity of managing that. You know, when you talk about an LLC structure for every single ownership, 
because they're always different because the merit base and how they're awarded, you look at the properties and all these different things. That was the first kind of aha moment. Then as we started working on build it, build outs and stuff, it's just the connection within the inner departments. People were trying to use smart sheets or trying to use a sauna. And we saw that it doesn't work. They're trying to force things. So that was kind of like the first rewarding part of what we had developed. It's location-based. And what it is, it does a lot. It organizes your ownership structures. It keeps track of all that. Your licenses, it keeps track of your license and renewal dates. I'm not going to mention any names, but we've literally saved numerous licenses because you, know, you open stores, you start going across, you forget about them all. And what it does, it's a database to keep track of that. It's a system that put the milestones out there keep the accountability and put that out there for construction, merchandising, and that consistency of SOPs in place. One of the biggest things that we've had in this space is the transition of people leaving. If Mark leaves today, all that IP goes with them. If you use our system, it's documented in a way that it's done. So when Mark leaves, guess what? It doesn't go away with them. And then the last part of it, the green gov part, is sharing that data with the government. But when you hear audits, these guys just, they run, <laughs> they get scared because it's intimidating. So what we take is some of the, the, the compliance aspects of it, make it in a simplified way that they could enter and not feel like, oh my gosh, overwhelmed, not having to go out and spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on compliance things to be able to do it. And not to mention just the communication between the municipalities and them with regards to CUPs, developers agreements to have that stuff. We create the template. So you can communicate with that government and the government likewise backwards. So it just, it softens that, oh my gosh, it's an audit to something that's doable. You read through it, put this and we give an example of how to do it. So it softens that anxiety that happens in the current space right now. You guys really offer that all-in-one solution for a, a new cannabis business to open up. We kind of feel like it helps like an owner's manual. When you get a car, you know, you kind of learn everything. It kind of gives that high touch of everything. You know, it doesn't do everything. But it kind of gives you guidance. We got partners we're embedding their information in there with it. So if they need information with regards to any different services, we'll have all that in there. But I kind of call it like the owner's manual. You can get in there, put your location in there, your license information, and kind of feel like I got this. You know, I like I, I can handle this versus the overwhelming effect of like, where do we even start? What are some of the cool, like new things you're working on with Temeca or Anami Tech coming up? You spoke about the value line that's coming up soon. So what are some of the other things you got planned? You know, right now, you know, getting the Anami thing, we're working a lot of different aspects of new markets out there. So we're excited about getting into the new states and things. We just got awarded the Mets team store. So we're going to do a whole design build for the New York Mets. And, you know, we're doing the, even college, we're doing LSU to Alabama. You know, it's just, we're so blessed right now. I, I feel like, you know, to be in sports, cannabis, and some of the specialty things we have, I, I couldn't pick a better job to have. I mean, that, like I said, I work a lot, but I love what I do. It's like your dream as a kid, like all like sports and music and cannabis, like all the fun places to work. So that's so cool. You're living the dream, man. You're living the dream. Yeah. I and mean, like you say, sometimes I pinch myself how lucky and you believe me, there's some bad days yeah. I have, but sorry, trying to keep up with all this. And this canvas space is like, it's a tough place for the canvas people. I feel really bad for some of the situations that get put in as we're talking about the buildings they get put in, the cost, you know, burden they get put. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a shame, but it's the rules I have to play by right now. And, you know, they'll get by. As a successful business owner yourself, what's one tip you would have for dispensary owners to really grow their business? I think the biggest thing that I see is 
don't be afraid to ask and talk to everybody else. I think at the end of the day, we used to do a lot of action surf culture back in the day, and it was a culture. And I think in cannabis, there's a culture that people want to help each other. And I think just having these conversations and don't be afraid to ask, most people will share that conversation. And believe me, when I went through this 30 years of my business, there's some things back I could look back and dang it, I wish I would have asked, but I was afraid. And sometimes you don't want to look stupid. Guess what? There's plenty of others that are out there. Do not be scared and ask those questions because it could save you a lot of money and save you a lot of heartache down the road. And that's, like I said, I've been there. I've done it. I've made mistakes. But if I would have asked those questions and not been so damn scared to ask it, I could have got those answers probably to pro prohibited that. We have to be constant learners. And especially in the cannabis world where things are changing daily, it feels like we need each other. We need to work with each other. Absolutely. And it, like I say, every day changes. Every time you think you got to figure it out, there's a right turn. <laughs> How can people find out more about what you're doing with Temeca or Amitech or any events or things coming up that people can connect with you and find out more about how they can get started working with you. You could go to TemecaGroup.com, T-E-M-E-K-A group.com. Info at Temeca Group, you get put there, put inquiries there. We're always on there. We're trying to get attending more events and stuff and getting our heads out there. Stizzy, they had a great opening in Wilmington. Uh, weekend before last, we got cookies August 13th in Miami. So excited about that. We'll try to get more notifications on our social media sites of everything coming up as we do these grand openings and share. Awesome. And we'll have links to your website and everything in the notes and on the website. Hey, I just want to thank you so much for coming and being a part of the KayaCast podcast. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much, Tom, and appreciate Kai pushing and you guys have me on here. Great interview with Mike. He really had so much to share about strategies for business owners in the cannabis industry to really get in there and utilize technology and store layout to make a customer experience. When someone walks into your store, you need to think about the experience, the security, and really the sales, how your store layout can impact all of those things to make your location more effective to really build your business and the location of your store as mike was sharing really makes such a huge impact so we want to thank mike again for joining us on this show if you haven't checked out the kayacast.fm website make sure you head over there we've got some episodes up we've got notes and links about the different podcast guests that we have. And if you would like to be a part of the KayaCast podcast, be sure to head over there and there's a form you can fill out to be a guest on this show. Share your experience of cannabis. Thanks for listening to the KayaCast podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app or visit our website at kayacast.fm to learn more about our guests and to access the full archive of episodes of the show. We can't wait to share more stories with you each week of cannabis retailers launching, growing, and scaling their business. Thank you.